Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Cinema's Soft Underbelly. I'm your host, Eugene Weaver. And if you're listening, one, thanks for listening. And two, you know this show's all about horror movies and science fiction movies and gems in the rough and grindhousey weirdness. And uh, today I'm going to kind of, sort of, continue talking about nature run amok, but this is going to be actually more straight-up creature feature type stuff here. Uh, especially after the high point on my last episode talking about Long Weekend. Uh, I'm going to do a little bit more... Uh, a little bit more grindhousey, not as technically well made as something like that. So, um, without further ado, I'm just going to dive right on in because I, there's uh, numerous movies that I'd like to talk about and uh, and share my opinions on. A couple of these, hopefully, you, the listener, might be like, "Oh, I should probably check that out sometime." And then others, you might be like, "Oh, that sounds terrible. Why would you even talk about that?" Well. Because it's my show, and this is what I do. I talk about uh, lots of garbage. So, speaking of garbage, let's get started with 1991's Class of Newcomb High, Part 2, Subhumanoid Meltdown. Directed by Eric Lozill, I think. Um, Eric Lozill, if that is how you pronounce his name, he's also done Lust for Freedom and Class of Newcomb High 3, and Fortress of America, KKK, uh, the mercenaries you see. Um, so yeah, those are those are things that he's been involved with. In. That's that's great. Um, okay, so Nukem High Part Two. Uh, you know, I'm a, obviously I'm I'm a defender of trauma. I I have been since the first time I watched Toxic Avenger and Class of Nukem High way back in my teenage years. And I, you know, I still am. They're still making stuff. They are still the original uh, independent film studio. They've been around for, I believe, 40, well, yeah, I, I believe it's 40 years now, as long, long as I've been alive. And, um, you know, for as much, as much uh, junk as they turn out, it's still, um, it's just interesting to follow them and their philosophy on how to make movies and that is make them fast make them cheap or um buy them cheap and that would be because because they're a distributor so buy them cheap and try to make money that way and lloyd kaufman i met the guy and he's uh he's every bit as hilarious in person as he is uh on his little interviews and whatnot on these dvds and blu-rays and uh and i i think the guy actually does have a a really good uh, business philosophy and how he does things. Uh, it, he's made a he's made a a life out of it, and so I'm I'm impressed. And speaking of which, if you ever do get a chance, and I've mentioned this on on previous shows, uh, certain Blu-rays and DVD releases of pro- trauma produced movies have uh, some of the best making ofs, if not the best making ofs of uh, of a movie I've ever seen. And that's even if you don't particularly like their movies, and I understand most people probably wouldn't. There might be some fans of Toxic Avenger out there, or maybe the original class of Newcomb High, but for the most part, Troma is very much a niche studio. However, the making of 
stuff on things like Poultry Geist, um, I believe Terra Firmer, Tromeo and Juliet, Citizen Toxie. Um, these, these movies have pretty much feature-length runtime making-ofs, and for any fledging fil- uh, filmmaker out there, or someone that's interested in the process of making a very, very low-budget movie, uh, I cannot stress enough to watch those documentaries. Uh, it is amazing, and it's like, it's warts and all. It's all out there to see. So when people are mad at each other, when people are swearing at each other, cussing at each other, um, the horrible living conditions, the horrible food, uh, anything and everything to get the movie made on the cheap and as fast as possible uh, is, is what these documentaries are all about. And it's great. It's so interesting watching stuff like that. Um, and I believe that Lloyd Kaufman has read or has has read has written some books as well on how to uh, how to make your own movies. So I uh, urge you to check out uh, some of those movies strictly for the fact that what goes into these things to get them made is insane. And uh, that's part of Troma's charm. So class of Newcom High Part Two. Um, I saw this. I. Uh, many years ago now on VHS, and I remember liking it. I'm like, that was pretty good. And then I watched it again on DVD, and I'm like, you know, I still think that's pretty good. In fact, I probably liked that better than the first time I watched it. Uh, And then the Blu-ray comes out, and I'm like, all right, Nukem High Part 2. And just to to clarify here, uh, there are three original class of Nukem Highs, and then there is the uh, Return to Nukem High, which came out last year, and supposedly this year, if not next year, uh, Lloyd and the the crew over at Troma will be releasing Return to Nukem High Part 2, at which time my co-host on Movie Freaks and I, Eric Marner, we're going to probably head back up to the Cedar Lee to watch that one again and stay for the Q&A with Lloyd Kaufman, um, because that's what we do. So this one here is from 1991. This is the original, like, first sequel. Uh, from the classic class of Nukem High, which I still think is, uh, along with Toxic Avenger and Poultry Guys, the best things that Troma has ever done. Uh, where does Class of Nukem High Part Two fit in to the Troma canon? I say in the middle. Um, it's not as good as stuff like Tromeo and Juliet and Terra Firmer, and, and even stuff like Troma's War, but it's still enjoyable and a obviously so bad it's good sort of way and I will give props to this movie uh, there is some really really good bad stop motion in this and uh, I am a huge huge fan of stop motion even if it looks herky-jerky and silly I for some reason I will take uh, stop motion over uh, a sci-fi original or an asylum uh, CGI Fest. Most of those are complete and utter garbage and they look like it. At least with stop motion in something like Class of Nukem High Part 2, it's an actual prop. It's actually on camera and it looks re- fake, obviously, but it looks real, like it's really there. And uh, and I like that. And it's it, it adds something to this movie. And, um, well, and I'm going to get into the, uh, uh, the end of this movie in a little bit as well. A couple spoilers coming up, but more than likely, if you're listening to this show and this episode and this to me talking about this movie, I, I'll be surprised if you even watch this movie because it's A, Troma, and B, it's uh, Class of Newcomb High Part 2, the uh, 
whatever the the uh, soft underbelly of the first one. So, okay, back of the Blu-ray. First, there was the super successful theatrical smash hit. I don't know about that. Class of Newcomb High. Now comes the hyper-righteous big-budget sequel, Class of Newcomb High 2. Uh, the lovable Cretans from Tromaville High School have graduated. Summa come weirdly. And the once peaceful Tromaville Institute of Technology, you see, is awash in a wave of violence and corporate greed. Meltdowns, massacres, and mutations abound on campus where humongous giant squirrels and obnoxious talking belly buttons are the least of your problems. Glorious re- gloriously restored in all its anarchic glory, it's Class of Newcomb High Part 2, subhumanoid meltdown like you've never seen it before. And then there's all sorts of special features, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so, first off, um, I, I was a bit nervous with the transfer of this to Blu-ray because Troma is notorious for cutting corners no matter what they do. In fact, I'm just impressed that they're releasing movies to Blu-ray at all. Um, But uh, Toxic Avenger Part 3 was released uh, in the R-rated form only, and Toxic Avenger Part 2 is 720p resolution on Blu-ray, not 1080p. And so I just, I get nervous. Well, I will say this. Oh, and of course, lossy audio. And we're not even talking 5.1. For the most part, the audio is 2.0 Dolby surround. Uh, And for Blu-ray, come on. But that's trauma. That's what they do. And rest assured, these movies are all pressed on 25 gigabyte Blu-rays, not 50 gigs. So um, I, I am happy to report, though, that the transfer is good on this movie. And it sounds just fine for the type of movie that it was. Uh, so that's totally fine. I it doesn't bother me at all. It's it's uh, you know what honestly at least it's shot on film and it looks like it's shot on film and I've I've talked about this till I've run it into the ground. I will take that shot on film look any day over the slick HD look of low budget movies nowadays, which just it's grating to watch. Uh, so that right away uh, helps definitely. Now, um, the movie itself is a complete hodgepodge mess of ideas thrown together. And and that's not a bad thing uh, because you can tell that they're really, really trying with this movie. It's just there's subplots and then there's more subplots and then there's more subplots and it's jumping all over the place. And at some point in the movie, especially this last time, I'm like, you know, who cares really what's going on? Just wait till the next scene where someone's face melts off or uh, some topless bimbos run around with machine guns or whatever and shoot at uh, stop-motion wasp human things or giant squirrels or whatever uh, and guys in in, uh, gas masks are... Whatever, there you go. It's just a hodgepodge of stuff set at a school. And um, uh, the end of the first one, I I loved the fact that it, they actually had a very cool-looking creature. And f- for Troma, I mean, it, it actually was a really cool-looking creature. It Obviously, they're, they were getting their cues from, from uh, Alien, but it, it was neat. I liked it. And here, they go the a totally different route with this stop-motion beings honestly it's hard for me to to describe the storyline other than it like i said it's just a bunch of things happening for 90 minutes but um 
the there's squirrels in this movie, and the squirrels uh, get to be uh, Godzilla size. And this is this is spoilery-ish type stuff towards the end. But again, this is class of Newcomb High Part Two. So really, who cares if I'm spoiling the movie? Um, but giant squirrels somehow because of radiation, maybe I think, and they go and stomp through uh, Tromaville. Uh, destroying buildings a la old 60s Godzilla movies. And I'm talking about like action figures are being stepped on and uh, cardboard houses are being crushed. And welcome to trauma, folks. There you go. Um, that's that's it. And lots of pus and slime and goo uh, pouring out of this squirrel rat Godzilla creature's face. For a long time, it seems, um, because something happens to kill it uh, with a laser, maybe, I think. Um, I couldn't tell you. So, yeah. Um, uh, let's see here. Oh, and Toxic Avenger shows up because he stumbles across the uh, wrong movie. So the director, this is like literally they're they're breaking the third wall and they're having to tell Toxic Avenger, no, you're, you're on Class of Newcomb High Part 2. You need to go to... Um, uh, whatever, go over to your own set, ha ha ha. Um, uh, let's see here, um, I'm just trying to look at some of the notes, and none of the trivia on IMDb is even remotely worthy of talking about, so meh, I'll skip it. Um, so yeah, anyway, if you're into this type of thing, then have at it. And if you like this, then if you actually enjoy this movie, then you'll probably love the original class of Nukem High and... Uh, Return to Newcomb High is, I would guess, a little bit better, too. Now, part three of uh, the, the Newcomb High series was pretty much, and this is typical trauma, was pretty much complete uh, recycling of footage from part two with a voiceover. Um, it's kind of like Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2, where at least half the movie is made up of scenes from the previous movie, and that's the case with uh, part three. It's the good, the bad, and the subhumanoid, I believe is what it's called. Um, yeah, so there you go. But it was it was uh, terrible, absolutely terrible. And I've seen it twice. I've actually wasted three hours of my life on that movie. Uh, so, yeah. But moving on here, I've spent way too much time on uh, Troma and Class of Newcomb High 2. But, you know, you can't get enough of Troma, can you? Um, at least I can. Okay, next up is... Close, but certainly uh, more highbrow than what I was just talking about. And that would be 1984's Ghoulies, directed by Luca Bervo... Whatever. Directed by some guy. Um, so, yeah, Ghoulies is um, an 80s staple. It's obviously cashing in on Gremlins. I get it. Uh, Empire Pictures, Charles Band, and Albert Band, they're... Their whole deal. This is what put them on the map, or one of the first ones to put them on the map. It was a big hit. Um, and I'll tell you, I have the Scream Factory Blu-ray, and it's a double feature of uh, Ghoulies Parts 1 and 2, and the transfers are fantastic, and the special features are are every bit as good, if not better, than the movies themselves. Especially Ghoulies. Uh, there's a good half-hour-long uh, interview session with different people involved in the movie 
And it, it is so interesting. This movie had a budget of a million dollars. It grossed $35 million in the United States. And that was back in 84. So that was a big hit. And it it is interesting uh, watching the special features. Um, uh, Charles Band talks about the fact that uh, with how this movie was distributed and, and the ad campaign. And if you know anything about Ghoulies, you know the ad campaign is this really silly looking little demon gargoyle thing is popping out of a toilet and the tagline is they'll get you in the end. Well, after the movie came out and was a huge hit, um, Empire Pictures was inundated with phone calls and letters sent by angry parents uh, because their young kids uh, were scared to go to the bathroom, to go to the toilet because this movie uh, was edited ever so slightly to get a PG-13 rating versus the R rating it originally got. So this, the trailers for this movie were actually being shown uh, on Saturday morning cartoons and on primetime television uh, to try and get the family crowd in. And having said that, I watched the movie a couple days ago, all 80 minutes of it with uh, closing credits and the long drawn out intro credits. So we're talking in, you know, 75 minutes long here. Um, but this is an R-rated movie that, with a couple more shots of a little bit more bloodshed, could have easily garnered an R rating, or you know, one or two more bad, you know, swear words, and this would have been an R rating. And so here they are showing uh, the trailer for this thing on Saturday morning kid cartoons, and so parents were quite upset. However, so so they actually then they they were trying to decide: do we pull the ad campaign and change it up, or do we let the controversy uh, sell the movie even more and make us even more money? Well, of course, they went with that. And uh, the rest is history. The movie was a huge success. There's three sequels, and each one gets worse than the last. But uh, it, it, it did quite well. And I am actually happy to say that it did quite well because I really enjoyed it. If you like um, the Puppet Master series, or especially the first couple Puppet Masters, and Gremlins, and, and I guess Child's Play to a certain extent, uh, you should enjoy Ghoulies. It is, uh, I hate to say harmless fun, but it, for someone my age, obviously, and a lover of the 80s, it is completely harmless fun. Um, some satanic ritual or something in the beginning, and a, a baby is saved uh, from one of the cult members, and the baby grows up to be the ancestor of the main, uh, whatever, uh, something about incantation in this house with a bunch of bad 80s actors and out pops these little green ghoulie things, and there you go. Uh, so, um, trying to think of some other interesting tidbits about ghoulies. Oh, uh, John Carl Beekler did the effects, and uh, for what they are, they're actually pretty good. Um the movie did begin life in 1983 as a project called Beasties, which was uh, it was going to be directed by Charles Band with creature effects by Stan Winston, uh, because the pair had previously collaborated on the monster movie Parasite from 1982, and I believe that stars Demi Moore, and that was in 3D. So, um, yeah. Anyway, um, um, uh, let's just see here. The original concept for the film was much different from the final product. Originally, the film was going to be about a kid moving into his grandfather's house who finds out that the inspirations for his grandfather's stories are living in the house and trying to kill him. 
Fox greenlit that film for a $12 million budget, but along the way, the film was dropped and the script was heavily rewritten to appeal to teenagers. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. Um, and they also shot an additional scene of a, gro- of a ghoulie popping out of a toilet just so that they could, the, the crowd wouldn't feel gypped that there was no ghoulie popping out of a toilet like the ad campaign clearly shows. So, there you go. And then the poster art. Um, John, uh, Jeffrey Combs auditioned for the role of Jonathan Graves in the movie, and why he didn't get the part is beyond me. I, I mean, I guess at the time he wasn't really um, he wasn't really a star, but that's unfortunate because now Jeffrey Combs would have been easily the biggest thing in this movie. Uh, but yeah, so uh, I'll read the back of the Blu-ray here real quick. Uh, take a creepy old Hollywood mansion, a naive young man and a pretty girl, add an over-the-top orgy of some slimy winged goblins who crawl out of toilets and you have ghoulies. A horrifying and hilarious ride into the darkest regions of hell. Conjured during a party thrown by the mansion's new owner, the hairy fanged demons waste no time wrecking havoc on the scene and declaring the unsuspecting owner their new lord and master. Um, Then a bunch of people that you've never heard of, more than likely, star in this fanged frenzy of sharp twists and eye-popping sockets. Shocks, sorry. That'll get you where it counts. Ha ha ha. So, yeah, there you go. Um, I enjoyed it for what it was. And uh, that's going to lead right into the sequel. Ghoulies Part 2. While I'm looking at the Blu-ray here, I'm going to read the back of it. The demonic toilet-dwelling goblins are back. And by the way, they are not toilet-dwelling goblins. It's literally like a second long scene in these movies. Uh, Stowed away in in Satan's Den, the traveling... House of Horror, operated by carnival workers Larry and Uncle Ned, the ghoulies merrily devour the sideshow attraction's patrons until Larry realizes his horror house is for real and tries to flee the scene. Deliciously outrageous special effects and over-the-top antics ratchet up the horrific fun. Um, A bunch of stars, again, that you've probably never heard of. All-star in the sequel that's got every bit as much bite as the original. And I'll say this about Ghoulies too. It's certainly not terrible. I, um, I enjoyed it for what it was. I liked the first one better. Uh, this one here drug a little bit too long. That's one thing I like about a lot of the Full Moon movies is they're pretty fast-paced. And this one here drug a little bit longer than it should have. And uh, on top of that, uh, it was cut down for a PG-13 rating. The, there is... The deleted scenes are actually on this Blu-ray, and so I watched them, and that would have certainly helped if they would have included those little bits of gore and just gone full full on with an R rating. But again, you know, money talks, and they want to make money, so let's release it as a PG-13 rated movie. Um, it uh, This was the last Ghoulies movie to actually get a theatrical release. Part 3 was directed by Jim Wynarski, and uh, I'll get into that movie some other time, trust me. Because uh, I have that on DVD somewhere. But anyway, so this one here takes place in an amusement park. One cool thing about this movie is that it was shot in Rome, Italy. And uh, it, the, the behind-the-scenes stuff from the making of is really interesting in that you know they trucked all the way over to Italy, used an Italian crew and a lot of Italian cast, and they built this big amusement park on a soundstage uh, when it would have probably been a lot more cost-effective to just shoot at a uh, at an amusement park at night but and they talk about that on the behind the scenes stuff as to why did we do that uh, but anyway 
it, again, if you liked the first movie, if you liked the little creatures in the first movie, if you liked the silly 80s-ness of this, because that's what these are, is silly 80s, then you're probably going to enjoy this one, too. I Again, I think that the the uh, the first one was a bit better, but it was, uh, it was still very enjoyable. Some trivia on the movie. The original ending was rewritten on the set. That sounds like a, something Full Moon would do. Uh, and it, obviously, like I said before, it was originally rated R and then re-rated PG-13 for the home video release despite little to no editing. But I will say this, there, there, uh, there was editing. Um, and, and all it takes uh, is a minute's worth of violence to be snipped from the movie and you can very, very quickly go from R to PG-13. Uh, so... Uh, Harden's death was scripted after the criticism the original film got. No one was actually attacked on the toilet. So this one actually has someone getting attacked on the toilet. But again, it's almost an afterthought. Um, So um, let's see here. Last entry in the Ghoulies series to be produced by Charles Band. Band sold the rights in order to get money to try to save Empire Pictures, which was struggling financially at the time. And I believe that the Empire was struggling due to Rennie Harlan's prison movie. If I remember correctly, I've uh, I've seen that movie several times. I really like the movie. But um, I think that that was a pretty costly movie that did not do so hot for them. And because of that, uh, they they had issues. So... Uh, the film and its predecessor uh, were caught in a moral panic in the 80s, accusing the popular culture of endorsing and glamorizing witchcraft, the occult, and Satanism. Um, and watching that, watching these movies now, you're like, what? Are you really? Uh, because everything is so hokey and fake. And maybe back then it would have had more impact, I, I guess. But uh, watching it now, you're like, really? This is really cheesy, and who really cares? So, um, as the main character walks away after gathering his belongings to leave the carnival, he passes what is or looks like a painting of two punk zombies from the cover of Return of the Living Dead. And I thought that was cool that uh, there's a little Return of the Living Dead in here, which is worlds better than this movie, but still, that's kind of cool. So, um, okay, that's Ghoulies Part 2. So, out of all these, which one would I recommend the most? Probably Ghoulies, then Ghoulies 2, then... I guess class of Newcomb High Part Two, uh, but you know it's uh, they're they're fun movies. If you're into this type of thing, please give them a chance. But keep expectations super duper ultra ultra low because if uh, if you're expecting anything but uh, but what these movies really are, then you're going to be sorely disappointed. Um, so I, I don't really have enough time for another movie. I was going to talk about uh, a couple other creature features, but I spent way too much time, way, way too much time talking about uh, Nukem High Part 2. So um, anyway, that's going to do it for my show today. I appreciate you listening. And you can get a hold of me at Eugene-Weaver at Hotmail.com with any questions or movies that I should see or whatever. Uh, whatever you want, go ahead, drop me an email, say hi. Uh, And also make sure to check out the other show that I'm on, Movie Freaks, with my co-host Eric Marner. We are talking uh, about stuff kind of like this, but a little bit more mainstream, but still focusing quite heavily on older movies. And then there's Cinema Sidekicks. And they're our buddies that are talking about all the new release stuff. And not not always new release stuff, but quite a bit they they hit on that stuff. So I get the goods from them as far as uh, what's good and what's not and all that. I will say this, though. um, 
about uh, cinema sidekicks and uh, the one host, Ty Mullet. He really likes Liam Neeson movies and the Taken series. And I got to say, I watched, and this is, I can't even believe I'm bringing up Taken on my show, but Taken 3 was not good. And I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, it was uh, a grueling experience. And anybody that thinks part two was worse than this, and this is a step up, um, I hate to say this, but you're wrong. This was bad. So that's all I'm going to say. In fact, if you have your choice between watching Taken 3 or a Ghoulies movie, I know where my money's going. Ghoulies! So anyway, that's going to do it for me today. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Mm-hmm.